As James challenges us to act upon the Word of God, he's going to tell us about what pure and undefiled religion looks like. And that means that there is impure and defiled religion. But there's a form of our worship that comes from the power of the Spirit filled with God's heart that is living out God's Word. And we're going to learn more about what that looks like today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Have you run into somebody who says, I'm spiritual. I'm a religious person. I believe. And you begin to ask some questions. Maybe you get to know this person at work or they're in your family, and you don't see any visible proof or fruit that the belief is actually meaning anything in their lives. They're not applying God's standards, for example, in their morality. They're not applying God's standards in their mouth. They're not applying God's standards at work. And you have to ask some questions like, well, you say you're religious, but does it affect your daily behavior? So this is a person who thinks they're religious. And then James says, this is pure and undefiled religion. This is the untainted form in the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. What is religion? One definition is that it is a set of beliefs that answers the ultimate questions. Like, what is ultimate reality? What is the nature of the world? What is the nature of humanity? What's humanity's main problem? What happens after you die? Such a definition means that a religion does not necessarily include belief in God. I'm quoting somebody else. A set of rituals or a class of clergy or priests. Secularism and Marxism are examples of what could be called religions in that they answer ultimate questions, but they do not teach the existence of a supernatural realm, nor say anything about God. Man has a religious urge, but he must end up serving the right God. And there is such a thing as false religion. There's such a thing as people who say they're religious, but they don't truly know God. Mark Twain said, having spent time with religious people or good people, I can understand why Jesus liked to hang out with tax gatherers and sinners. <laughs> Jesus' harshest words were for religious hypocrites. Think about it. Think about his life. Think about his ministry. Think about the times that he got angry. Think about the times when he really ruffled the feathers and even shocked the disciples. It was in the face of religious hypocrisy. It was not in the face of someone who sincerely said, I'm broken and I need you. If you say, I'm broken and I need you, he's going to have his arms open wide. But if you sit there like this with a smug look, acting like you've arrived and everybody else is wrong and you're right, well, that's where oftentimes false religion comes in. There are zealous people, but zeal does not equal relationship. And so you can say you're spiritual, you can say you're religious. People said to Jesus, what must we do to work the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom God sent. I think that's John 6, 29. So three things in James' uh, application. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, verse 26, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is what? 
It's worthless. Okay, illustration number one, example number one, application number one. Yeah, I'm religious, but then when the person goes out, their mouth is destructive. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth will give away your heart, simply put. Now, all of us could say, okay, I'm a work in progress. I'm not the person I used to be, but I'm not the person I want to be yet. Amen. We're all work in progress. Every now and then, Christians even, oh, I know it's hard. Oh, what happened? Right? Sometimes. But look, if the overall theme of your life is you walk out of here and your mouth is out of control. Think about a bridle. What does a bridle do? It controls what? A horse. So you put uh, the bridle, the bitten bridle on a horse to control like a 1,500 pound animal that could do a lot of damage if it got away and it was kind of freaking out, but you've got it under control. And James says, look, if your spiritual life is really connected to the power source, then your tongue, your mouth will be under control. Won't be perfect, but it will have the bit and bridle. And if you don't bridle your tongue, says James, your religion is worthless. Wow. J. Vernon McGee says, Christianity is not a religion, it's a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. You either have him or you don't have him. Or as J. Vernon used to put it, you're either a saint or you're an ain't. <laughs> right? You could be involved in external religious rituals all day long. Liturgies, routines, ceremonies. You can say prayers. But if your mouth is completely destroying others around you consistently, James says, you better look in the mirror. You better see if the reflection that you're seeing has actually been met by the power and the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. I noticed after I became a Christian that my language began to change. And it, I wasn't even really trying but I would talk to one of my friends on the phone who wasn't saved, and they pretty much talked like this. We're all surfers, and it was like, hey, dude, dude, and then we bleep, 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 and dude, bleep, 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 dude, 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 bleep, bleep. <laughs> and after a while, the bleeps began to bother me. And sometimes the bleeps included the name of the God that I serve and the one who saved me and died for me on the cross. And I don't appreciate when his name is used that way. And so it began to hurt my heart when I would hear language like that. Not that I was trying to walk around like some prude who's correcting everybody's language. That, that wasn't my heart. But I just noticed that my language began to change. And now it's just what's natural for me is not to speak that way. And that I would just credit to the glory of God. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this. My mouth isn't what it used to be because my heart has changed. And I think we can all resonate with that. And James is saying, look, this is one of the key measures of how that mirror has actually impacted you. Is your mouth different? Do you speak different? Is it bridled? James will give us more on the tongue in chapter 3, but he'll use this kind of language and this is a good way, if you're taking notes, is your tongue tamed or is it filled with poison? To use the bridal analogy, 
Do you need to say to your tongue, whoa, whoa, and rein it in a little bit? Look, we all could probably say, yeah, that's true. And that is when you know things are changing. Once while John Wesley was preaching, he noticed a lady in the audience who was known for her critical attitude. All through the service, she sat and stared at his new tie. When the meeting ended, she came up to him and said very sharply, Mr. Wesley, the strings on your bow tie are much too long. It is an offense to me. He asked if one of the ladies present had a pair of scissors in their purse. When the scissors were handed to him, he gave them to his critic and asked her to trim the streamers to the length of her liking. After she clipped off near the collar, he said, are you sure that they're all right now? Yes, she said, that's much better. Then let me have those shears a moment, said Wesley. I'm sure you wouldn't mind if I also gave you a bit of constructive criticism. I must tell you, madam, that your tongue is an offense to me. It is much too long. Why don't you stick it out and I'll cut a little bit back to my liking. You know, that mirror goes both ways, doesn't it? And sometimes when we're looking at others and we want to be super critical about what they don't do right. And look, this is, this is rampant in the church today. I'm not talking about substantive issues. I'm talking about the church all over the world, the church in America. We tend to major on the minors and we get divided over stupid things and we lose our effectiveness. And James probably heard that Christians in the congregation were doing this to one another and maybe doing it even against God, as we saw earlier in chapter one, blaming God or blaming one another, maybe even blaming James. Job said, for how long will you crush me with your words, Job 19.2? The key word here is control, not perfection, but control. Is your mouth or tongue under control? If it is, you're making progress. If it's not, James says, look in the mirror again because what you're doing might be sadly worthless. Let him who means to love life and see good days, 1 Peter 3.10, if this is what you want, if you want to love life and see good days, 1 Peter 3.10, refrain your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. How many of us would love to have taken back some words that we've spoken over the last 10 years? How many of us can reflect on some major milestone moment where we just absolutely fell on our face and we only wish we would have just had the bridle on. We only wish, I wish I wouldn't have said that in the moment it seemed like the right thing to do or what I wanted to do, but now I'm regretting it. And so this is where James has already told us, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. One author said, a true test of a man's religion is not his ability to speak, as we are so apt to think, but rather his ability to bridle his tongue. That's number one. Number two application. This is pure, uh, this denotes clean, undefiled, free from contamination. Final verse for this morning is 27. Religion in the sight of our God and Father. All I really care about is what God cares about. What does he see as pure worship? What does God the Father see as pure and undefiled? It's to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Application number two. The wider application is to help people in their distress. Greek word for distress is phlipsis. It's, it's the idea of tribulation. It's the word used for the great tribulation. 
Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. It's the idea of tribulation. It's the word used for the great tribulation. Second application, if you want to be a doer of the word, be a helper of other people, especially those who are in distress. I'm talking about legitimate distress. I'm talking about people who are actually poor, people who need our help, people who need to see the hands and feet of Jesus. If you want to be a true worshiper, says James, bridle your tongue and get busy into action. How about more action than words? How about we actually go start helping people? And the word visit, by the way, doesn't mean just stop by for a visit. It means to meet a need. It means to hover over. It's the word from which we get uh, episkopos or an overseer. It's to oversee their situation in their distress. I can't do it for everybody. You can't do it for everybody. But could you do it for one person this week? Maybe you are. Have you ever just met a need in a moment? Maybe help somebody with a practical need. Maybe, you know, as a church, you guys are so generous. And I could tell you story after story. I'll tell you one recent one. We had a woman connected to our fellowship. Her mom passed away. They were $1,900 short to pay for the memorial service. They were cooking tacos and trying to do car washes to pay uh, uh, for the service. A local mortuary. And so they had asked me to be involved and they told me what was going on. And we have an incredible uh, group of givers among us here. We have a benevolence fund and you guys paid for that memorial service. I can't tell you the weight that lifted off that daughter's shoulders when I looked at her one afternoon during the week and I said, she said, she was going, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Can you imagine you lost your mom and now you don't know how you're gonna pay the mortuary? You don't know how you're going to pay for a service to try to honor your mother. You're dealing with all the fallout of the legal stuff you got to do and trying to organize a service and trying to deal with your grief. And you guys became the hands and feet of Jesus and you met the need. And I watched a weight go off of her shoulders. And she was like, blown away, like, you're going to what? Yeah, we're going to pay for the service. It's done. She was amazed. That's what James is talking about. We step into people's situations when they're in distress and we reach out. That's what Jesus did for so many people. Think about his healing ministry. Think about how many times he touched somebody in the worst situation. Lepers and people who were deaf and blind, outcasts of society, prostitutes who thought to themselves, can I even get close to him? Will he even allow me within a certain radius? And he said, oh, you come. 
You come and I'll, I'll touch your life. And he did it over and over and over again. And today, Jesus is in heaven and we are his church. And the question we got to ask is, are we about his business or are we auditing the class? There it is. We know the word. We, in America, we get spoiled with a lot of good teaching and teachers. But the question James would say is, okay, now that you know it, what are you doing with it? God is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. Royal Family Kids Camp is a great example of this church reaching out. And when we do it, when we visit somebody in a hospital, when we provide food for someone who doesn't have anything, Jesus said, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. Have you ever thought about it that way? Jesus said there's going to be a day when God separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep will be on the right, the goats on the left, and the difference between the two groups is going to be one simple thought. It's going to be about fruit. This group showed that they knew the king by their kingdom activity, and this group said they knew the king, many of them. Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? And he says, I don't know you. And so James says, look, this is what it's about. Write down Isaiah 1, 10 through 18 for your notes. I'm not going to read it now, but it's about Israel going through all the religious motions, but not doing what God said. And God said, look, I'm tired of that stuff. Your hands are covered with blood. I want you to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says God. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. And the final application is to keep oneself unstained by the world. I don't have to tell you how messed up and polluted this world is. And James says if, you're, if you've had a true encounter with the living God, the tongue will be bridled, the heart will be doing, and the life will be unpolluted. Three applications, very simple. Think about the church today. Think about how many people are walking into the world week after week after leaving Christian churches on a Sunday and go right into mega pollution. And to keep oneself unstained from the junk that is out there is a challenge, amen? It challenges us to the core. But is it your intention when you walk out of here to say, gonna bridle it, going to be about kingdom business, and I don't want to be polluted with that stuff. I'm going to make up my mind not to be defiled, says Daniel in Daniel 1.8, to, to eat of the king's delicacies. Look, I don't want to be defiled by that junk. There's too many people swimming in that nasty stuff. I don't want it. And some of you have been there, and you know what it's like. And James is saying, look, this is the test. This is what the mirror says. Paul puts it this way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I deliver my body to be burned, I become a martyr, but don't have love, it profits me nothing. Look, everything I've said to you, is not about a works-based righteousness. It's about everything that flows from a love relationship with your Father. Amen? Evangelism, goodness to other people, a tongue bridled, 
helping people in distress, keeping oneself unpolluted by the world, and there could be many more added to that, are all the result of knowing our God and saying his love and his goodness is better than life. That old stuff, those broken cisterns, they mean nothing. How many of you over your time have tried to go back to the world as a Christian? How's it taste? Not so good. Oh, there's pleasure in that world for a few moments, but that's about all. But if you want to be blessed, says James, here's the formula. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Well, the mirror of God's word, every week I study it, it, ma it makes me look at some deep stuff, man. The word is deep, isn't it? But it's good. It's taken me to some deeper places. I, I couldn't have imagined what God has done. And each time he takes us deeper, he's showing us what it means to be blessed. Father, we are so grateful for the power of your word. Lord, I want to come on behalf of all saints here and just say, Lord, thank you for forgiveness in Jesus. If you, O oh Lord, kept a record of my blunders, I couldn't stand here, Lord. I couldn't look in that mirror. But thank you that when I look in that mirror, I see something else happening. I'm being changed from one degree of glory to another. And I'm so grateful that you're doing the work. And really, I think one of the main things here, we've talked about doing, but it's also about yielding. It's about being and yielding. And I pray that each of us could yield more this week. Lord, we could, we could think about simply James' three-point sermon and say, okay, this week, Lord, would you tame my tongue? Lord, would you move my feet to someone in distress? Lord, would you help me to keep myself unpolluted, unstained by this world? And I'm gonna ask you if you'd keep your head and heart bowed. If you've not met Jesus as your savior, maybe you've been trying to do good works in your own power and you've been frustrated. Maybe you thought you were okay with God, but you're not born again to a living hope. Maybe you knew about the cross and the resurrection, but you haven't trusted the one who died on that cross and rose from the dead. Keep your head and heart bowed, and if you want to open your heart to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, today, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand, and I'm going to pray for you. Everybody's got their eyes closed, and everybody's focusing on the Lord, so don't worry about who's going to see you, but would you lift up your hand right now? Let me pray for you if you want to trust Christ for the first time. If there's anybody here, raise it up right now, and let me pray for you. God bless you. Anybody else? You want to meet the living God today? God bless you. Father, for those who have extended out their hand and those who maybe couldn't get their hand up, but this is what they want, help them right now to open their hearts. Something like this. Would you pray it with me? Lord Jesus, come into my life. I thank you that you died on that cross for my sin. Pray it if it's you. I thank you that you rose from the dead. And I place my trust in you as my Lord and my Savior. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Thank you for loving me. 
Thank you for being so gracious. I trust you, and I want to follow you. Lord, for those who may be rededicating and for the sweet body of Christ, the saints here today, bless them, refresh them, encourage them. Thank you for those who are doing this stuff already. Thank you for the change that we've seen in our own lives. We celebrate that. We thank you that you're doing a work. And he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. There's 27 products up at the store right now, ranging from things like the teaching on 666 from the book of Revelation, the seven seals from Revelation, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, the anatomy of a fall, how to avoid falling from 2 Samuel, and even teaching on the occult. Most recently, an interview with Frank Sontag about the New Age movement and his personal testimony. Hey, when you go to the store and you purchase a product, you partner with us to reach more people like you. So go to the store, walkintruth.com, click on the store, purchase a product of interest, buy it for a friend, and when you do, you'll be partnering with us to reach more people for the cause of Christ. We love you. We appreciate you. You can also give donations there at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that store and partner with us today. We appreciate it. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com. Dot com.